Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Well, good morning to Victory Church and your and our family. We're so glad uh, that you're jo- joining us today. Uh, today, I'm excited to bring part two of a message. So it kind of gets confusing. It's like we're in this season called Who Am I? And then we've been kind of doing this mini-series on, on the orphan heart. And then, uh, you know, a series within a series within a series. I got things real complicated last week and said, I'm going to preach a little two-part message uh, in the middle of all this. And so if you miss, missed last week... It's okay, you can watch part two first and then go back and watch part one later. I, I do wanna kinda take a moment to just to recap uh, very quickly. Last week, we talked about something, the subject of better than blessed. Better than blessed. And so this week will be part two of that title, of that, of that message, better than blessed. Uh, and so even that word, it means how could I ever be better than blessed? Uh, isn't blessed what we're supposed to be. And I was very careful last week to reiterate over and over again that I'm all for blessing. I I love being blessed by God and I am blessed by God. And I hope and I pray that I will continue to be blessed by God. But last week I tried to begin to shift your thinking as believers that we can actually shift our thinking into more of a mindset of inheritance. And what does that mean? And what what does that look like? Um, And so let me reread the text from last week and we'll start with that. Um, so, so Deuteronomy, no Siri, I don't need to talk to you. Shut up. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 16 through 18. No Siri, I, I'm not trying to talk to you. Okay. Will you leave me alone, please? I'm trying to preach a sermon. All right. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 16. In the wilderness, he fed you manna. And that was a blessing, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you uh, in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and my strength of my hand made me this wealth. Verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. Isn't that interesting? You, we don't like to talk about this in church because we're not supposed to be wealthy. Well, this says that he is giving us the power to create something, to make something, to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, this covenant, this, this idea of inheritance, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So he's saying prior to this day, the provision that you got from the Lord required manna. And boy, I was thankful for manna because if it weren't for the manna, we would have starved. So when we were in the wilderness, manna was necessary. Blessings were necessary. In fact, they were imperative. If we wouldn't have had them, we would have starved to death. And then he begins to tell them, okay, you're about to go into a place of land that I've already pre-selected for you. And I remember this is Moses' speech to the Israelites. And then in chapter, uh, the very next chapter, chapter nine, they, they start going into the land and they start talking about this. 
But in chapter eight, he's giving them this locker room speech before we go out on the court and play in the promised land. He's reminiscing about the blessings that God got them this far through manna. But he's saying from this point forward, you're now going to step into inheritance, a land that is yours. I am inheriting it to you. And so he's trying to tell them there's a different way of thinking. And I quoted Pastor Oscar on this last week. I want to say it one more time. This is the quote that he gave, and I loved it. It says, we cannot live a promised land inheritance relying on a desert land blessing. Oscar's waving a hanky. He's like, he's like Moses. Moses saying, I'm the most humble man to ever walk the earth. Oscar, you need humility, okay? I'm just kidding. But I love that quote. Many of us get stuck living a promised land, uh, many of us get stuck living a desert land blessing instead of shifting our thinking. Again, I'm all for blessing. I'm, I'll say, let's take all the blessings God wants to give us. But what if we begin to live as sons and daughters, not as orphans? Because sons and daughters live a life of inheritance. Now, let me show you the, the, the moment. I'm gonna, I read this last week. I'm just kind of recapping, and then I promise I'm going to preach a different sermon. Uh, but I want to recap everything to get everybody caught up. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10, it says, While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. Then on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. That's important because they got their very first taste of inheritance. And it tasted way better than manna. Even though they were thankful for the manna, they lived off of it. But the inheritance, the produce of the land tasted way better than the manna. They tasted unleavened cakes and roasted grain. Verse 12, and at that moment, verse 12, and the manna ceased. The previous provision stopped. And on that day, after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, we talked about that last week, that the, that word some is very important. They didn't, they didn't eat all of it. If they'd ate all of it, they'd had nothing to sow for the next season, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. So 40 years uh, to get the slavery orphan mentality out of the Israelites. Took them 40 years to get them to stop behaving like orphans, to stop thinking like slaves, And yet, this is the cool thing about God, and yet even when they were behaving like orphans, even when they still had a slave mentality, God said, I still love you too much to abandon you. I'm still going to give you manna. I'm still going to provide for you, even before you step into inheritance. So let me me read another passage to you in Hebrews. I love this thought. In Hebrews 13, verse 16, I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Uh, it says, the, the same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead. Wow, thanks for that bluntness. But I want you to, to, to see the, 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 the term used just before that. It says, 40 years by sinning in their unbelief. It was unbelief. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they had disobeyed him. Verse 19 is the word I want you to lean in. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. 
Many of the time, the reason we have such a hard time stepping into a, a lifestyle of inheritance is because perhaps our hearts are wrapped in disbelief. We have a very difficult time believing in this principle and, and understanding this principle. But we're learning at Victory Church that we can live a life of inheritance. We're learning that there is a difference between living a life of blessing and living a life of inheritance. And really the main difference is we're learning that living a life of inheritance does not mean that we just sit back and cash checks from the Lord as they come in. Like, you know, we think of inheritance um, as, okay, I'm a son and my dad was rich, my parents were rich, and now I'm going to get this lump sum of money and I can just blow it all. It's going to be awesome. Like in our Western culture, we, we view inheritance like it's for me. The proper way to view inheritance, if you're a true heir, if you're a true son or a daughter of an heir of inheritance, is to not say that this inheritance is for me. It's to say that for a season, I'm called to steward this inheritance because there will be generations that come after me and I have to ensure that this inheritance remains for the generations to follow me. So that's, that's where I want to shift our thinking today. So last week, let me just kind of recap the three things we covered. Last week, we covered, number one, that proper identity produces proper values. Okay, this is kind of ringing the bell. We talked about identity, and it all starts with identity. We must, we must, we must understand that we're sons and daughters, not orphans. We live from this place. We live from this identity. We know who we are, and we know whose we are. And we're sons and daughters, and it's the key to it all. And if we'll get that right, then it produces values, values. And I gave you homework last week, remember? I gave you homework to go home and write out your values because your values will determine your spending. Okay, so, so some of you remembered, some of you did this, and the others of you forgot, and this is you this morning. You're like, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's okay, that's okay. But I want you to understand that your values are so critically important to establish the life cycle of living a life of inheritance, okay? You must live by proper values. If, 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 if you're a son or a daughter of the Lord, to live a life of inheritance means to live a life of his promises and his principles. Those values that are all throughout the Bible become our values and our values um, guide us. Let me show you what it guides us to. Number two, proper values produces proper authority. Once you begin to live according to the values, godly values, now your money doesn't have authority over you, you have authority over your money. And this is so important to living a life of inheritance. Most of us, many of us, most Americans, I should say, live a life to where money has authority over us. We have no control of ourselves. We have no control of our money. And so we live, we live a life in this way. Now, if we can get to the place where we have proper authority, number three, proper authority produces proper stewardship. So this is kind of a step-by-step -step process. So once we have proper authority over our money, now we can truly begin to step in as heirs and steward well, steward well. And that's where we left off last week and that's a super quick flyover. 
If you missed last week, I highly encourage you to go back and kind of watch that. Many of us need to go back and just kind of watch it again, just to kind of refresh, okay? But I want to pick up right where we left off because I have three more today. These three I'm more excited about than the last three, okay? So here we go. Number four, as you become a better steward, proper stewardship produces proper margin. Margin is really, really, really important. Here's, here's what, what we need to know, know about the Israelites in their wilderness journey. They had no margin. Zero. They, they had just enough for that day. Only enough. And if they tried to collect more, the maggots ate it. Like it was only enough for that day. It was just that. And, and that's okay. But I, what I want you to know is we thought, well, yeah, but God's the one that did that. They tried to collect more. It, what, what I want to remind you of is God's plan was 14 months. Okay, we talked about that in a, in a previous series uh, called My Way or the Highway. You can go back and watch that several years, several years ago or months ago. I don't know how long ago it was. My brain doesn't work like that. We talked about when they got to Kadesh Barnea and God sent the spies in, remember, in, in the Negev Desert. They came back and reported and said, the giants are way too big. We can't do it. Remember, what caused this was their unbelief. Their hearts were wrapped in unbelief. So God's intention was 14 months, and 14 months turned into 40 years. 40 years of no margin. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 9 says this. It says, there your fathers tested me and tried my patience. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, they still doubted me. And this ignited anger with that generation. And I said to them, they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet. (laughs) And they refuse to learn my ways. We have wandering hearts. And so because we have wandering hearts, we're left with no margin. And we end up living a life of no margin. No margin living is wilderness living. Okay? If you live a life with no margin, paycheck to paycheck, one, you're in good company because 79% of America lives paycheck to paycheck. But it's not how we were designed to live, okay? And I'm sorry, this is gonna be one of those sermons where it's just awkward crickets most of the way through it. And that's okay, I've prepared my mind for that in advance. The vast majority of the time, and I don't say all the time, the vast majority of the time, um, we don't need more money. We need more margin. Now I know that's, I didn't say all the time, I know that there's many of you who are really hurting, who are really in a tough spot, and maybe you're unemployed, maybe you're just going through a really hard season, so please don't, don't, please don't think that I'm pointing fingers and trying to be rude, because I know this isn't applicable to everyone, but for many of us, I know a person, I know a person who makes half a million dollars a year that lives paycheck to paycheck, okay? so. I think Biggie Small, the great theologian, may have had it right, mo money, mo problems, you know. I don't know, I just, I just wanna try to convince you, I wanna try to convince you that more money isn't always the answer. Because the mindset of more money drives you to places that maybe God never intended to drive you. In, in an effort to gain more money, you'll be less of a father. You know, so more money isn't always the answer, but I can promise you more margin is always a good answer, okay? And, and it's proportional. I don't want you to think there's some dollar figure tied to it, okay? Well, if I can't save another $1,000, then that's not enough margin. Start with five bucks. 
any, any sort of margin, any, let, me, let me show you what Proverbs 21, 20 says. It says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Uh, this word gulp, if you read it in the King James Version, it says, King James Version's gangster like this. King James Version says, spendeth it up. <laughs> Just put a th on the end of everything and now you got King James Version. King James Version says, a fool spendeth it up. Now this word in, in, in Hebrew is the Hebrew word bala, and it means to swallow down, to engulf, to eat up. Okay? It's the idea that you have a certain amount of seed, and instead of sowing some of it, you eat it. You eat the seed that has potential to do far greater, but you eat the seed because you need instant gratification. You, you, you think you're starving, so you think you need to fill some void. So you'll buy the pair of shoes, you'll buy the earrings, you'll do whatever that takes. You, you go to Starbucks every day, whatever that is for you, we'll gulp it down. Uh, long, long time ago, when Michelle and I were poor as dirt, I started this thing called set aside money. And um, I would just set money to the side, not, not physically, I know some do that and that's great. That's, that's kind of the Dave Ramsey model. You put everything in envelopes and you set it aside. I would just kind of um, do this thing that, that called balancing my checkbook. Have you ever heard of this before? <laughs> I actually did a study, guys, I'm not kidding you. I found a study that showed that 19% of Americans balance their checkbook. What? So I would, I would balance my checkbook, I still do, I do it digitally this, these days, not on a, on a checkbook cover, and I would just kind of subtract money and put it to the side. I would subtract it as though it wasn't there. It's still there. But I would subtract it like it was spent. I would set it to the side. Now this set aside money to, to Michelle and I meant we're not gonna spend this. We're gonna create margin and we're gonna ask God, God, what do you want us to do with this? And we just let it stack up. We just let it grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until we know what the Lord's telling us to do with it. Maybe it's to pay off debt. Maybe it is to spend on ourselves. Maybe it's to, to treat ourselves on an anniversary trip or something. And maybe God will tell us to give it away, but it becomes this margin. Margin is powerful. Margin is this powerful thing that we can do. Uh, so I encourage you, if you don't balance your checkbook, you should balance your checkbook, okay? I don't know if you've ever heard a pastor tell you that you should balance your checkbook. But if you don't know what you got, how do you know if you have margin? You gotta know what you got. Balancing your checkbook looks in the past and says, what is our past spending? It looks into the future and says, what is our future spending? And then when you do that, you balance that out and you're left with, this is what I got. This is what I got, okay? You guys are looking at me like a, like a cow at a new gate. <laughs> you gotta know what you got, okay? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. It's not just me saying this. Watch what Paul told, told, told the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16 too. He said, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So he doesn't say you should set aside $300. No, he just says, hey, whatever you make in keeping with your income, proportion to your income. If you make $10 a week, you should set aside something. Even if it's 10 cents a week, you should do something in proportion to your income. You should set aside money. Why, why would I do that? Because when you set aside, you are becoming a good steward. And when you become a good steward, you have authority over your money. 
I am now in control. My money doesn't tell me what to do. I tell my money what to do. Okay? We are now coming into a place of authority. And let me just tell you something about, about margin. Margin makes way for miracles. Okay? Most, many of us never experience miraculous things in our money because we've never created margin. We just wait for some check to show up in the mailbox or for somebody to walk up to us and hand us a check. You know what that is? That's living a life of blessing. And I like blessing. And I hope somebody hands me a check. I'm all for it. But in the meantime, I'm going to live a life of inheritance. And I'm going to be a good steward. I'm going to steward God's resources well and with radical generosity. This is stepping into a life of, of, of inheritance. And Michelle and I have lived this way. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying any of these things to, 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 to advance ourselves or to, to brag about anything. But we have lived this way since we were 21 and we were making nothing and we would set aside money. It used to be the old little check registry, you know, the paper one. And I would drive Michelle crazy. I'm like, where's your receipts? I need your receipts. I got to write them down. Give me your receipts. And I got I to write them all down in there manually, right? And so I'd set aside money. And I, I can't set aside money if I don't know what you've spent. And I can't set aside money if I don't know what we're about to spend. So I need to be able to set aside money. Now we do it digitally. And it's glorious. I'm not getting paid by this app. But there's these apps where she uses the same app I use. And they're synced in the cloud. So when she buys something at Hobby Lobby. Right, fellas? Hobby Lobby. I love the greens and I'm glad to sow into their ministry. And we do at my house. It's instant. I see she spent money at Hobby Lobby. It shows up on my end. I'm like, oh, she's at Hobby Lobby today, I see. But what, I know I'm getting crazy practical today, guys, but these are things the church needs to talk about. We got to talk about ways to become better stewards with what God has given us. And God, God will open things up to us. So let's start setting aside stuff. Let's start setting inside some money and watch God work miracles through your hands, through your hands. You'll never become a generous person if you don't start setting something aside, okay? Michelle and I have given away cars, multiple cars. We have paid people's mortgage payments. We have paid off people's de uh, uh, medical debt. And it's one of the greatest joys of your life when you can see people weeping in front of you because you, not be yes, yes, because God used you, but also because you stewarded well. And you created margin and said, God, look at the margin that I've created. I'm your son. I want to do great things for your kingdom. And I'm going to steward well and I have margin. What do you want me to do today? And you may never buy anybody a car. Who cares? But you could buy somebody Starbucks. You could buy, you could buy somebody a Starbucks drink. In, in, in keeping with your income is what Paul said. So we become better stewards and we set stuff to the side in keeping with our income. Okay, uh, number five, once you have margin, margin is so key, once you have margin, proper margin produces proper distribution, okay? It's one thing to have margin, now I've got margin, what, now how do I distribute this margin? And this is really important, because if, if God has given these things to you, he's given you the power to make wealth, you create wealth. Uh, it doesn't say God made you wealthy. He said you made you power to create wealth. You know, wealth is just money, right? So he's given you power to make money. I make money. I steward it well. Now I have margin. Now how do I distribute this margin? I want to be a really good distributor. Because what I'm distributing isn't mine. 
I, I want to be an heir, as the Bible speaks that we are, and heirs distribute according to the Lord's will. My inheritance has nothing to do with me and my gain. <laughs> We're vessels. It comes in, it pours out. God, it came in, I've stewarded it well, I've blessed my family, I've done, we're very blessed, Lord, but I've created margin, and now I want to turn and say, God, how can this flow out of me? And how do you want this to, to flow out of me? So, your distribution pattern matters. I want to talk about distribution for, for just a few minutes, okay? So, let's talk about the power of distribution. Let's, let's go back in time. Let's, let's go back before the industrial age, Okay. Uh, let's go back into the agricultural age. Let's go back all the way to the New Testament and the Old Testament. Okay, I want, I want to ship, shift your, your thinking to, to where we're not thinking like, like workers, we're, th- we're thinking like farmers. Now, I want, I want us to all understand the way that they would have approached, approached survival in those days, okay? Here, here's here's the, the system that they would, they would have said. A farmer back then would have said, okay, crops in, ready? Eat some, save some, sow some. That's what we're going to do. We're going to eat some of it, we're going to save some of it, and we're going to sow some of it. We're going to eat some of it because we're hungry and we would like to survive. We're going to save some of it because we're going to be hungry tomorrow too. (laughs) And we're going to sow some of it because next season we want to eat some more. So we sow something, sowing is far future focused, saving is short term focused, eating is now focused, okay? I know that's very simple, but I wanted to start there. Um, I like to think of money this way. I have money that goes, money that stays, and money that multiplies, okay? As your money comes in, you have some money that goes out, some money that stays in, and some money that's gonna multiply. So you have addition, subtraction, multiplication. I would argue that most believers live a life of addition and subtraction, and very rarely experience multiplication. Okay, and that's what I wanna go into for just a minute. Let me show you the agricultural's mindset. So if it's eat some, some, eat some, save some, sow some, there's an order to that. There is a distribution pattern. Okay, and I want you to think through the lens of a farmer, okay? You live out in the middle of nowhere. There are no government checks coming. That's awkward silence right there, okay? If you don't steward what you have well, you and your family will die, okay? You're in the middle of nowhere. No one's coming to help you. You've got three acres of land, and you're, this is it, and you got some seed, and you're gonna begin to think like a farmer, okay? Let me tell you the first priority of a farmer. First priority is the seed that I'll sow. Any farmer worth his salt, his or her salt, knows that if I don't sow some, next season my family will starve to death. So the very first priority for a farmer is not eat, it's actually sow. It's actually sowing, that's the very first priority of a farmer, that's why all through scripture you see this principle. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We want next year's crop to be bigger than this year's crop. So we're going to sow a little bit this season than we did last season. 
okay? That's, that's the mindset. It's the same in the kingdom of God. God uses this agricultural metaphor all through the scriptures. I watch in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 10, 35, it says, we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of, our, of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. It doesn't say we, 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 we were made to, it says we obligated ourselves to do it because we understand the principle of sowing. We understand the principle of reaping. So we're going to, to bring our first fruits. It, it doesn't say eat some, save some, sow some. In their mindset, it's sow some first. It's the first fruits. And you see this all through scripture. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then, so first this, then this. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. The problem with most believers is we wait for our barns to be full before we have the courage to give. In God's kingdom, it says, no, it's actually the opposite. Uh, If you live that way, your hearts have been wrapped in unbelief, like he told the Israelites. A true son and daughter that lives a life of inheritance says, my first priority is to sow. So first. So I, 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 want, I want you to watch this, this progression, okay? When you work, uh, your money comes to your pocket. That's, that's no, that didn't shock anybody, did it? Okay? When you save, your money stays in your pocket. When you steward, your money does what you tell it to do. When you tithe, your money does what God tells it to do. Okay? So when I become a good steward, I have authority over my money. I become a steward, I've got a certain amount, I've worked for it, I got it. I'm now the steward of it. I'm gonna steward well and I'm gonna create margin and I'm gonna be generous. But there's another key element to this idea of distribution. Many of you are very generous, you're generous people. Oh man, it's so, so thick in here, I could cut it with a knife. I'm just gonna step into it, okay? Uh, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't called to be a pastor to coddle you. I was called to be your pastor to, to tell you what the Word of God says. And to, and so, so I'll try to do that very balanced, okay? But when I step into this realm called tithing, did you know that less than 10% of Christians tithe? So what that tells me is that 90% of believers live a plus minus lifestyle. Some comes in, some goes out. I need more to come in, more to, some more goes out. Oh shoot, more went out, I need more to come in, 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 to feed my negative, neg- my, my subtraction, subtraction. Stepping into this life is, is, is saying, God, I need you to tell my money what to do. I need to bring in this other element called multiplication. So, so let me go to the, to the most famous passage about this, Malachi 3.8. It says, well, a mere mortal rob God, Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? And you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So God is saying, without tithing, this is what your money does. Okay? And you go on, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw, up the, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, the next verse is going to tell us what God tells your money to do. Okay? If you're a tither, verse 11 is God saying, 
This is what I tell uh, your money to do in your life. Verse 11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it ripes, ripens, uh, says the Lord God Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, second priority. So if first priority is to sow for the farmer, the uh, farmer's second priority is, is, is the seed that I will save. So I'm gonna sow first, I'm gonna save second. I know that just, just sounds crazy. In, in, in the Western culture, we're the complete opposite. I'm gonna eat, and then if there's any left, I'm gonna save, and then if there's any left, I might sow a little bit. You gotta think in the agricultural world, the agricultural mindset was completely flip-flop from, from our, our, post, our, our modern mindset. Their mindset is I gotta sow, because if I don't sow, our long-term is doomed. I gotta save because if I don't save, our short term is doomed. We'll starve next month, okay? So their, so their second priority was to save. And then their third priority was the seed that satisfies, satisfies me today, okay? So the seed that's going to satisfy me today is based on the margin that I've created. <laughs> this is probably the quietest this church has ever been. This, 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 this third priority is the seed that satisfies me today. Watch what 1 Timothy 6 verse, verse 6 says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many fool, foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Hebrews 13.5 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Um, I said this earlier, but according to Forbes magazine, 78% uh, of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So if I'm gonna eat today, I need to eat today based on what I've already pre-planned to sow and save. And then I eat based on what's left, all right? So here we go, so far we're up to this point. Uh, we said proper identity leads to proper values. Proper values lead to proper authority. Proper authority leads to proper stewardship. Proper stewardship leads to proper margin. Proper margin leads to proper distribution. Now we can talk about something fun, okay? If we can walk this out, if we can walk this journey out and live into the inheritance that God has called us to do, then last but not least, proper distribution produces multiplication, okay? There is a, there is a, a really bright light at the end of this tunnel. I know it's really dark in the tunnel on the way. That's the weird silence you feel as we're walking through that dark tunnel. But at the end of this tunnel is something that is so spectacular something that will blow your mind, something that, that you maybe have never experienced is this idea of multiplication. Uh, it is in the land of inheritance that God introduced the children of Israel to multiplication. Prior to the promised land, the children of Israel had never planted anything, ever. They were slaves, building bricks with no straw, and then, and then even when they were released, even when they, when they, when they stepped into a life of, of freedom, which, which for us would be giving our lives to Jesus, we're, we're no longer enslaved to sin. Jesus died on a cross for us, and now we step into freedom. And then many times our, our, our life on this world is, is trying to figure out, how do I really leave that behind me? 
How do I really stop? I'm not enslaved anymore, but there's parts of me that still act like I am. There's still parts of me where I behave enslaved on the inside. And then this next step of inheritance living is when you step out of the wilderness journey into the inheritance of what God God called you into, all of a sudden, now I have to sow a seed. Now, now, now there's a responsibility on me. Yes, it's a great land. Yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But there was also a lot of things that they had to do once they crossed the threshold. The first thing they had to do was run the enemy out of town. Because the enemy is going to try to take your inheritance. So a lot of the promised land was fighting off the enemy. But then they had to find this discipline of inheritance. You know what? We're going to sow because when we sow, God does amazing things. Watch this. The fourth command in creation. The fourth one. Some people think that, that, you know, sowing and reaping, well, that's Old Testament, you know, it didn't, tithing doesn't apply in the New Testament. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, I, want, I want to show you that God invented multiplication, okay? He invented this, and he's really good at it. All the way back to creation in, in chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. That's so important because it starts by saying he produced vegetation. Now think about it. If God would have produced watermelon with no watermelon seed, then every time you wanted watermelon, God would have had to recreate it. So God was smart enough that said, when I create something, I'm going to create it with a seed implanted in it. And most of the potential is in the seed. In fact, all of the potential is in the seed. So God understood the idea of multiplication when he spoke and said, not only am I going to create the fruit of the land, but I'm going to put something inside the fruit of the land that is a principle of inheritance that my children will understand. And they'll understand that they get to eat the fruit of the land. But if I only eat the fruit of the land without planting something else behind it, that'll be the only fruit that I eat. And every time I'm hungry for something, I got to be, God, give me more watermelon, please. Okay? You see the difference between living a, living a life of, of uh, dependency on blessing versus inheritance. Let me show you just a couple of other ones that God's good at multiplication. In Matthew 13, uh, Jesus is telling the parable about the seed. And remember the seed, he says, there's one seed that fell on good soil and it brought a return 30, 60, 100 fold. Um, that's multiplication. I don't know if you know that or not. That's not addition. That's one seed turns into a hundred. Um, in Genesis 1:28, um, God told Adam and Eve, "Be fruitful and multiply." He told the same thing to Noah at the rainbow: "Be fruitful and multiply." You know, I won't get into too much detail here, but you know how babies are made, right? It's a seed. It's a seed. It's a multiplication. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, the widow with the jars. Pouring the oil into the jars. How did, how did one jar fill up all these jars? Multiplication. <laughs> God can take something that seems very small and very insignificant, and he can do far more than we ever thought possible. The feeding of the 5,000. How, how did five loaves and two fish Feed 5,000 men, and who knows how many with women and children? Multiplication. 
Multiplication. God's really good at it. The problem is we never allow God to, 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 to bring multiplication into our situations. We're satisfied with addition and subtraction. Addition and subtraction. Addition and subtraction. God, I've got too much subtraction. Could you give me some more addition? And sometimes God does that. God, sometimes God, he's probably rolling his eyes when he does it. But he's probably like, okay, son, here you go. Jeez. You know you could sow seed, right? You know that you could live a life of inheritance, right? And then we're all, off we go again. Subtraction, subtraction, subtraction. Oh, God, I need more addition. He's like, you know that in all of that fruit that I just gave you, there was seed in it, and you ate it. Why did you eat it? Second so wow. Corinthians 9, 10 says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have eaten. No, doesn't say that. It says the only way that he'll multiply it is if you have sown it and, in, and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us. He supplied it, and when you sow it, he'll multiply it. Malachi says, test me in this. And there's the whole thing, well, that's in the Old Testament. Did you know that tithing happened before the law ever came with Abraham? Okay. Do you also know that Jesus talked about tithing when the Pharisees were all proud of their tithing? He said, you should have, you should have done that without neglecting the first. He said, you shouldn't neglect tithing. He says, don't, no, don't neglect. Jesus speaks to this very thing. So if you want multiplication in your finances, retrace your steps. Okay. Let's, let's cover everything that we just covered. Let's do it in reverse. Okay? Because we want to start with multiplication. If that's, if that's your start point, if that's what gets you, get your engines burning, okay, then let's start there. Okay, here we go. Multiplication requires proper distribution. Proper distribution requires proper, proper margin. Proper margin requires proper stewardship. Proper stewardship requires proper authority. Proper authority requires proper values. Proper values requires proper identity. Now, leave, yeah, leave that up on the screen for just a second. Here's my question for you. Which step are you in? Which, which step are you camped in right now? Some of you are like, man, I'm experienced God's multiplication. I've been tithing for years. Many of you are, are faithful with, with your money. Some of you are like, you know what? I, I know who I am in Christ. I'm good there. And I've even started writing out my values. My, ne- my next step is I got to start getting some, some, some margin. I got to start figuring this out. I gotta start getting some stewardship going. I gotta start working on this. And listen, wherever you're at, it's good. It's good, it's a step. And you may even take a couple of steps forward and then go through a hardship in your life and take a couple of steps backwards. Don't let shame eat you up. Just be like, okay, let's get back on this thing. Let's start this thing back up. Let's get back on the road. Let's get back working on this, okay? I, um, I always, man, I don't, I don't preach on giving very often. I usually do it about once a year, twice a year, maybe, specifically tithing for sure. Uh, I actually enjoy preaching on it because it's something I'm very passionate about. 
And it's something that I have seen God show up so many times in so many people's lives that I, you know, what we say is we live life to the full and I want everybody to experience this. So I felt this so strongly today that, that um, maybe this sermon has caused you to regret and, you know, man, why didn't I? Shoulda, coulda, woulda, that whole thing. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I didn't come to do, to do any of that. But I wanna show you, we, it, I love that we sang this song I didn't even plan that, but we sang this song called The Song of Ascent. And I love this passage because I'm actually gonna present this to you as I close. They would, they would have this pilgrimage back home. So they, it, 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 this particular Psalm that I'm gonna read you, they had been exiled out of Israel and they're returning to, to Jerusalem. And so because they're returning to Jerusalem, they're going uphill, it's, it's an ascent, okay? So, so they had lived, think about, let me put it in context. They had lived in the land of inheritance with all of God's promises. Then they got exiled out of Israel. No longer are they in their inherited land. They've been exiled out of it. And some of you understand that. You, you used to live according to these principles. I used to tithe. I used to experience God's blessing. I had some hardship. I lost my job. I went through a divorce. Whatever that is. And you feel as though you've been exiled from the promised land, from, from God's inheritance. And so now this Psalm is when they're coming back into their homeland. Okay, let me show this to you. This is what I pray over all of you. Psalm 126.1, it says, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. And we were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Now watch verse three. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes. Lord, as a streams renew the desert, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. And they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with their harvest. They had lost everything. They were living a life of abundance. They were planting and sowing and reaping, planting and sowing and reaping. They were exiled. They come back into their land and they're like, oh my gosh, it's all lost. We were on such a good trajectory. We were, things were going so well. And, but the Bible gives this promise, those who sow with tears, weeping over what they've lost, weeping over what coulda, shoulda, woulda. He says, if you'll just start planting seed again, even through the tears, if you'll sow seed through the tears, you will reap with joy. And it says, return our fortunes, return the inheritance, God, that we might've messed up. All right, I'll stop there. Father, God, I pray that, that first and foremost that this message came through with the right heart, that, that no one feels beat up, that no one feels, um, oh, here we go again. God, I pray that it was delivered in a way that is honoring to you, that is honoring to your, to your house and to your kingdom. So Father, I pray that you would speak to each one of us individually concerning this topic. God, may you speak to your people. May they get into your word and hear what your heart has to say. And God, may we begin to live a life and experience inheritance, live a life of inheritance, Father. So I pray that you would give us stewardship, God. Give us margin. Give us authority. All the way back to proper identity, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.